Or almost. Hey, welcome to What the Truck. I'm Dooner. What's going on? Getting all decorated. Hey, got some great ornaments today, by the way. Thank everyone who sent them. BWS sent in some really nice ones and uh, put them right in center, right over there. You want to send them over here? You don't know the address. DM me. Very What the Truck Christmas coming up December 16th, and it's going to be a time. Uh, but today, let's worry about this show because we got a lot going on. We got Rachel Premax. She's going to talk about PSR. You just learned what that was, right? We'll forget it because it's going the hell away. Um, we've got, we're going to talk about CSA scores. We're going to talk about DOTs, naughty or nice list. We'll see you got drug and uh, alcohol violations, how carriers are dealing with all that. We got Rooster and Super Trucker with the weird news and uh, RMS carriers. The drive to do good. We talked about them, I believe it was last week with Rooster and Super Trucker. They had done a big turkey delivery. Now they're doing a coat and toy drive based off that success. So we're going to shine a big light on it. But first, real quick topic to bring up from our own CEO and founder, Craig Fuller. He put this up right here. Is it a little hope for the trucking market? It says the truckload spot market is having one of its best periods since the start of the quarter as holiday time sensitive products make their run before Christmas. We don't believe... This is a new long-term trend, but more of a peak effect on the truckload market. Now, expand that graph out. You can see how it went up just a little bit. All that you're seeing right there, I believe that that's that Black Friday, Cyber Monday freight. I know I told you guys that I did not get a TV, but the seed was planted, and I kept watering it and watering it and watering it, and then I saw a really great deal for a TV and a soundbar, so I ended up getting them. So those are going to be showing up in my house. So I helped the freight economy by moving that stuff up there. But what's going on on the water? Is this going to stand? Why does Craig not think this is going to last? Well, Fitch Rating says global, out, global shipping outlook worsens on lower container freight rates. Why are they lower? Because demand is. China opening back up, is that going to help? Probably not. Not if the demand's not here in the United States. And I don't know about you, but people losing jobs and stuff like that, people aren't getting that spend thrift. Spend thrift. Let's see a good open box deal on Best Buy like me. All right, let's tip the band. We got, did you know, AIT publishes a global transportation market report every month. So if your business sees information about air and ocean trends, carrier updates, economic forecasts, North American trucking, and customs clearance news, you can get all that and more in easy-to-digest overview. Best of all, it's free to download. Your December edition comes out today at AIT-Worldwide-Dot-Dash-Com. That can't be right. AIT-Worldwide.com. If that doesn't work, just Google it. All right, we got Rachel Premack here. Rachel Premack, Editorial Director at Freightways. Rachel, you look a little sullen, so I've got a question for you. Have you, were you emo back in the day? No, I was never emo. I, I liked scene. I liked scene music and scene style. That was like, I don't know if that really made much of a wave outside of like the mid 2000s but if you know scene i was in on the scene thing for a little bit let's take a look at bernie sanders here really quick what does your address mean what does it say or does it mean anything or um it's just basically saying to heck with society yeah fudge society forget all about it rachel did you know that bernie sanders was like a mall goth correspondent back in the day i did not know that I didn't either. Were you ever? I, I didn't. I guess up in Vermont, he was running, because that was in Burlington, Vermont. I guess he was running around talking to the emo culture back in the day. Trying to learn about what his voters are up to, you know, get the youth vote out there. 
Well, hey, Rachel, last time you were on the show, we were talking about Railroad, right? And the decision came in like right after we got off the air. A lot of people feeling like rail workers got sold down the river. Let's touch on that really quick. Do you think that they got screwed? They got a raw deal? Yeah, so uh, looking at the pay side of things, it's a really great deal. It's their best best pay raise in decades. Um, they'll get you know pretty great back pay, so on and so forth. So on the pay side, it is a good deal, but the main concern by rail workers weren't so much wasn't so much on the pay side, but on the quality of life side, especially mm-hmm. around sick leave and being able to actually you know take time off when they are feeling ill or if they have. Speaking of feeling ill, or if they have, you know, family members who need uh, assistance or something along those lines. And then the other kind of big picture issue that they were working on was this idea of uh, two man crews. So there wasn't really, there was nothing in the contract that could have solidified, um, you know, making sure that, sorry? Two live crew? Two man, two oh, okay. person, I should say. Um, but you know, ninety eight percent of rail workers are men. I'm pretty sure. But so I, I keep saying two man, but probably two person is more it's accurate right. to say. Um, I know so, you mean no offense. Yes. Um, so basically, the idea is that uh, trains right now they are being run by two people. You have your conductor and you have your engineer, but. Uh, a lot of rail companies are looking at this idea of getting rid of the conductor because a lot of those jobs could be automated or moved to a grounds-based crew. So the result of that is that you would see these huge trains and only one person is in the train operating the train. And why are we? That, like, can I ask you a question of, before we go any further? Because like we always talk about autonomous trucks, right? Why aren't trains autonomous? Those things are on rails. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it would be a, it's a concerning kind of concept the idea that trains would be run with just one person because there are there are no people rather there are still a lot of things that need to be done by train operators that aren't just you know making sure the thing goes down the down the railways a lot of these railways do go through towns and residential communities. Um, we have seen instances of crashes if there is one one person or two people uh, operating the train. So the reason they're not autonomous right now is just because the safety issues are too high. Because one thing that's uh, not often discussed is the fact that these trains aren't just carrying, you know, boxes of, you know, Amazon toys or what have you. Yeah. They're carrying chemicals, vehicles, coal, all of these really heavy um dangerous things that if there were a collision that would be pretty disastrous and has been uh disastrous for the people on the trains or the communities that um are built around these tracks interesting so what's going on with psr a lot of people like had trouble wrapping their head around it it's been much maligned and now all of a sudden you say it's going out the window yeah so naming not going completely out the window a lot of rail companies are talking about this idea of PSR 2.0 or an alternative version of PSR. And for those who aren't aware, PSR is basically a package of efficiency and cost-cutting techniques that railroads have been using over the past uh, decade or so to increase efficiency and oftentimes make sure that they can uh, have amazing performance on Wall Street, but uh, they are moving away from PSR because a lot of those cuts have obviously, 
as we've as we've seen over the past few months, uh, pushed out a lot of employees who are sick of the sort of over efficient uh, running of these companies. And it's also alienated a lot of customers and potential customers because they see delays with their shipments. They see that uh, their shipments aren't coming on time or that they're being picked up too slowly or that they cannot move as much as they would like to move. So PSR is basically in, especially in the uh, eyes of shippers, PSR has gone too far and railroad companies are trying to expand volume and maybe be a little less efficient, but actually move more stuff and get more customers in the meantime. You're right. PSR has gone too far, right? Like, rein it back in. Calm down, PSR. Stay in your lane. <laughs> now, Rachel, that's gonna, you're going to write this all up in modes, right? This is your newsletter that's coming out? Yes, that will be in your inboxes tomorrow morning. Or if you have not subscribed yet, you can see it on the FreightWave site or on my Twitter or on LinkedIn, I guess. Yeah, but you should subscribe. Unless, like, I don't know. Yeah, you should I'm kinda, subscribe. That's easier. <laughs> like, I don't want to encourage mass on subscribing here, but, like, this big debate came up yesterday because Inbox Zero people and I put up my inbox just to give them sort of trauma. But, like, it would be nice to cut things down. But, see, my thinking on that is, like, I don't care if it's a zero or 82,000 on my inbox because there's just always email. I'm always checking it. Like, that's not an indicator for me that there's new mail. I'm an Inbox Zero person. Really? But I, yeah, but I, I, I at least of time. Open. I, I at least open whatever, and then if I have something I need to get, get to later, I just leave it on run. You don't want the plausible deniability of having that blue dot still blue? No, I just want I just want to get it away. I don't want any sort of lingering. I mean, I do have a I do have right now. I have two unread emails from I think late last week that I need to actually respond to. The problem with inbox zero is that I'm never actually at zero because there's always some emails I'm putting off. All right, well, inbox zero poser. It is time for you to redeem yourself. You did not. Did you get the question right last time? Did you? You got mm -hmm. it right. No, two weeks ago you got it right. All right, we have stupid. Yeah. Wheel of Stupid Questions presented by OK Boomer. All right, let's see what we got here today. This okay. is kind of in your wheelhouse. I think you might be able to get it. What pop artist won five Grammys in 2020, including Best New Artist? Including Best New Artist in 2020. Mm -hmm. um, give me one second. I, I think I can get this one. It's, I'll give you one hint. It's a female. Yeah. It what? It's a female. That's my one hint. Okay, I knew I, I I had a suspicion it was that it, it's not is it is it Megan the Stallion? No, it's Billie Eilish. You are you have Who's lost new that. in twenty twenty. Apparently, well, you know, bands are you can be around for like four years at like what the truck had win best new artist, and we've been around since twenty eighteen. That's just how it is. Once you go mainstream, then you can be best new artist, Rachel. Wow, I can't believe she would get best new artist in twenty twenty because I'm not that that hip on things, and I was listening to her in like okay, I guess it was twenty nineteen. Yeah, mm -hmm. but you're ahead of the curve. I mean, you're, you're just, uh, that's why you're the editorial director at Freightways. Rachel, thank you so much for your time. We'll catch you once more before Christmas uh, and the holiday break. Yeah. So take it easy. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Meanwhile. Hey, brother, you can't put this leg directly on the dashboard. Who are you? This is my car. I can put it where I want. Go away. Why don't you know good or bad? Are there fewer accidents like this every year? Hurry up and get out of the car. I will tell you today how powerful this airbag is after it explodes. Now you know the danger, right? Like you, many people like to put their legs on the dashboard when they are in the co-pilot. In the event of an accident, the airbags pop up and blow your legs off. 
so serious. Some people like to put perfume, ornaments, and the like on the dashboard. The airbag can be deployed at a speed of 300 kilometers per hour. In the event of an accident, these things can kill people in minutes. Oh, if you don't tell me, I really don't know. It's not over yet. Come with me. Many people like to adjust their seats to the front when driving, then hold the steering wheel and drive. Alas, that's how I drive. This is very wrong. Whenever an accident occurs, this airbag is not life-saving. Because the space is too small, the power of the airbag explosion will directly hit your face, disfigure at light, life at risk. So dangerous. The correct adjustment method. First, adjust the seat back. Keep the body and the steering wheel at an arm's distance. Our arms can naturally rest on the upper edge of the steering wheel. This is the safest. In the end, it is easily overlooked by many people. Let's never put a protective cover on the seat. In the event of an accident, it will also affect the normal deployment of the airbag, which is very unsafe. Wow, thank you so much. I didn't know these things were told to me before. Hurry up and give this video to friends around you. It can save lives at critical moments. Yeah, I didn't know these things until they were told to me before either. Do you, you guys drive like this? I mean, I know the, 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 the airbag can be pretty violent, but in summation, that be careful. You sit too close, right? You're going to blow your face off. You sit with your legs on the dashboard. You're going to blow something else off. Not good. All right. Let, speaking of safety, let's talk to Kathy Close. She's the transportation safety editor at J.J. Keller & Associates. You don't drive like that, do you, Kathy? No, no, I, I'm pretty dull. I've got my seatbelt on. I follow all the rules, but you know. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I mean, it seems like you, what? I mean, you, you are, you're like the referee. You follow the rules. You make sure everyone else is. And you've been looking recently into carriers and why they're struggling with their DOT testing programs. Now, I wasn't aware that they were struggling with their DOT testing program. So tell me a little bit about this. Yeah, what I've been, you know, finding is lately we're getting a lot of questions still on the clearinghouse. Um, actually, if you look at FMCSA's analysis information stats, I'm a stats, I'm a reg nerd, so um, hopefully you'll find this stuff as interesting as I do. The top out of the top violations for 2021, the there was three that actually had to deal with the clearinghouse. Um, failure to perform the pre-employment query, failure to do the annual queries, and actually just not registering with the clearinghouse. And those three violations by themselves accounted for 13% of the violations uh, in 2021. And it, those three violations don't even appear on the list of acute and critical violations that are cited during an audit. But you still can be fined for that. I don't know if carriers realize this, but you can be fined up to almost $6,300 for each of those violations. So and that's based on the fact that it's, it's included in that general category of CDL violations and they, they quote part 3D2 subpart G, which is where all the clearinghouse violations are. And another thing is there are a lot more violations being reported to the clearinghouse. So it's important to know what's in that um, database about potential hires and existing drivers. Um, there was a report that was published by the clearinghouse in August of this year that said that the violations reported jumped 9.5% from 2020 to 2021. And if, um, if you look at what is on track for this year, it potentially could mean that there's almost 20% 20 20 more increase of uh, reported violations over last year. So there's a lot riding on knowing what is on um, record for your drivers. What, um, what drug and alcohol violations were prevalent in 2021? You mentioned Clearinghouse, and I know like that's kind of the mm -hmm, first thing that comes mm -hmm. to people's mind when they hear that. 
Yeah. Every year, there's typically like these three that always show up. So um, pre-employment testing. So, you know, they're putting the driver in the truck before they have a returned, a negative return to duty drug test. So that's also putting the carrier at risk. It's risk management, a lot of this. Uh, random testing violations always seem to show up. And that means not uh, testing at the applicable rates or it's not doing the tests. And then there's also every year it seems to show up in the top 30 is failing to train your supervisors on how and when to to request a reasonable suspicion drug or alcohol test. Oh, so it's not just about drivers failing tests. It's about the whole process that is involved with yeah. a driver getting tested in the first place and also how those tests are uh, are administered. What is the top question? Because now this is a little bit broader than I was even thinking. What is the top question then that your team gets about drug and alcohol? Well, lately, it's that upcoming change to the safety performance history because it includes the FMCSA drug and alcohol questions right now, as of January 6, 2023, that's not that far away, um, their FMCSA has had rules that they published that remove the drug and alcohol portion of the safety performance history. And that's because they want the clearinghouse to be the sole means of learning of FMCSA testing violations. Now, the thing to, to realize is you still might have an occasion where you're going to have to contact employers for drug and alcohol testing history. And one thing that catches some individuals, companies off guard is they may not realize this, but if your driver worked in another DOT mode, maybe they worked in pipeline or transit authority, or maybe they were working rail, and they were in one of those modals, um, uh, DOT testing program, if they violated uh, a testing rule under that, it carries over to FMCSA and they need to do the return to duty process. So you still have to contact those employers with that still set questions in 40.25B, uh, just like you do today. But um, just like uh, today, going forward, if you ever contact future uh, former employers about testing history, you need the driver's consent. So you could even wind up contacting uh, former FMCSA employers to find out where the follow-up testing program left off based on what you learned through the clearinghouse. Interesting. So knowing all that year is almost up, we can do better in 2023. That's what we tell ourselves at least. What can uh, carriers do better in 2023? What should they be looking out for? I, I, a self-audit is the best way to figure out where you might have a deficiency. And it might be as simple as reassigning roles. Like you have a DER assigned. Is it the right person? Do they have an understanding of the regulations? Are they tasked with other things that your carrier, maybe they should be relieved of that duty just because there's just too much on their plate and things are you know, falling through the crack. Um, you may want to look at who you're contracting with. We also hear at the end of year, oh, my CTPA didn't pull the required number of, uh, of drivers, or maybe they just didn't do your random pool uh, pull. What do we do now? Well, you're the one being fined or cited. So look at your service agents, look at your contracts, even your collection sites. Is it convenient for your drivers to go with, with the, in a truck? Um, what are their hours? Where are their locations? You might want to rethink who you're contracting with besides just your internal management controls. So, and even your random testing. If you miss tests this year, we're almost to the end of the year. Why weren't those tests completed? Why aren't you on track for your testing rates? Look at all that, find the root cause and, and try to apply a fix for next year so it doesn't happen again. 
Yeah, I mean, that's really all you can do, right? Look at where you made the mistakes, right. overview it, and keep ahead on the changing regulations. And obviously, yeah. read these reports by J.J. Keller. Kathy, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate your time today. Have a happy holidays. You too. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Take care. All right, who do we got next? Ooh, man, if I were to say this name in my, like, natural accent, it would be really, it would be like Mac Bala. But it's Mark Barler, Director of DOT Regulatory Compliance at Reliance Partners. And I think that he may be up in Wisconsin. Is that a Badger logo on your uh, on your chest right there, sir? Ask the Wisconsin Badgers, that is for sure. <laughs> I still remember one of like one of the most surreal moments was when we came out of the pandemic and one of the first huge like college football games they played was that Wisconsin Badger game. And it was like just mass. It was like 85, 95,000 people in the crowd. And it was insane. It was uh, it was a sight to behold. And it felt good to open things back up and see that. I'll always remember that about um, Wisconsin. Now, I was looking at something interesting in your background, and it said that you are an expert in logbook forensic reconstruction. Uh, I'm just curious, how does that work? Are you clicking like enhance, enhance, enhance on ELDs and stuff? <laughs> it it kind of seems like that sometimes. I've been doing uh, DOT inspections for law enforcement since 1999. I retired in 2020 from the Wisconsin State Patrol as a master inspector. Uh, and when it comes to the DOT forensic side of it, you take every bit of information that you can get, um, either from the truck, from any type of electronics, and you compare it to the driver's hours of service and how whatever uh, medium that they're using, if it's paper, if it's electronic with the old AOBRDs or uh, ELDs. Interesting. All right. Uh, you don't have any good stories from out in the field, do you? Probably not. They're confidential. <laughs> <laughs> they would take a little bit longer than what we have today to talk about. Well, let's talk about CSA scores then. That's something that you definitely looked at on the DOT side in the past. How do they get generated, though? How do they see, How do these CSA scores happen for a trucking company? Yeah, there are two ways that uh, CSA scores get generated. Uh, there's seven categories that are there. Uh, one it's, is the crash category, and those are only generated through FMCSA recordable crashes. The other six categories that are generated are generated through uh, DOT roadside inspection reports and violations that are written. That's the only way that they get put on a, a carrier's SMS profile. Interesting. So what is FMCSA data queue then? <laughs> the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, their data queue system is a system where you can challenge information on uh, crash reports. You can challenge information on inspection reports to from changing the uh, motor carrier that's responsible for safety to the removal of violations. Uh, if they put the wrong driver information on there, anything that uh, needs to be corrected, you could do through the DOT, the data queue system for FMCSA when it comes to roadside inspections. So that could really help out a company if we can get some violations removed from them because they were put on either erroneously or there was some exception to the rule. Uh, it can really help out their scores in the long run. So kind of like a credit score, if you have bad items on there, items you can challenge or get off, you definitely want to get those off your score. Well, what are the easiest ones to do? What can you start with so you don't just get frustrated and give up trying to clean up this record? Where's a good starting point? Uh, a good starting point is to do a, uh, adjudicated citations. So if a driver got a citation, say, for speeding on an inspection report, 
if the driver goes to court and the court uh, pleads it out to a different violation, you can do a data queue on that, which will change the point value from whatever it is down to one. And the point values for CSA range anywhere from zero, which means it has nothing to do with safety, all the way up to 10, which means it is very unsafe activity. Like speeding 15 or more over is a is a 10-point violation. If you get a ticket for 15 or more over, you go to court, they change it to, say, a parking violation. You could do a data queue on that, and the point value will go down to one, which is a 90% decrease. Uh, another easy one to do would be crash data queues. Um, there's two ways to do uh, data queues on crashes. One, if it's not an FMCSA recordable crash, there's only three things that apply there. And then if it is an FMCSA recordable crash, is it in the crash preventability guide published by FMCSA? So if it's not the driver's fault, say he was sitting at a traffic light and somebody ran, runs into the back end of them, well, they can, uh, motor care can do a data queue and have the point value for that removed through the crash preventability determination program. Interesting. So now I, that makes me curious because you mentioned like speeding 10 miles over the speed limit adds X amount. What are the violations that that can happen relatively easy, easily, but per, that add a lot of points that carriers should be aware of? Um, fair to obey sign. That's one of the biggest ones I see all the time. There are traffic signs everywhere. And if you don't abide by them, that is a five point CSA a uh, violation, and it's time-weighted. So in the first six months, it's multiplied by three. So that five-pointer turns into 15 points. So if you fare to stop at a way station, five points. If you are operating um, on, a, on the wrong roadway, that could be five points. Any sign that says trucks can't do this or don't be in the right lane, um, a motor carrier or a driver could be cited for that fair to bay traffic control device. Wow. Yeah, you got to be you got to be vigilant out there. You're a professional driver. You can't get caught up in these kind of things. I guess my last question is then, why is your average on data queues so much better than your contemporaries? <laughs> well, I've been uh, enforcing the uh, federal regulations for over 20 years. So I have a pretty good knowledge of the regulations. I actually did data queue responses for the state of Wisconsin for the last six months of my career. So when people would do a data queue, I, as a law enforcement officer, would respond to that data queue, either approving them or denying them. Um, once you have an understanding of what can be data queued, um, the data queue process, the anatomy of a data queue, you become much more successful at them. And I've done almost 500 data queues in the last two years, and my win rate is between 70 and 75%. Wow, that's pretty, I mean, that's not bad. It's better than most baseball players. Um, you, you mentioned one thing there before I let you go, and it got me curious. When you do, like, when you reject one of these things, right, what is usually your typical reason for saying that, you know what, uh, your data queue's rejected, I'm not going to fix this for you? What, what, is there a typical reason for that? It, it all depends on what the motor carrier or the motor carrier service provider is asking to be removed. It would, it would, it's amazing uh, the reasoning that some uh, people would use for their uh, reason for removal. My favorite is always, I know my driver was speeding, we fired him, please remove the violation. Well, that is not a valid reason to remove a violation that was listed on an inspection report. The officer has to have done something wrong, has to have um, enforced the wrong regulation, used the wrong coding for it. Um, 
or there's an exception to the rule or that there is an interpretation to the rule that which the officer may not have been aware of. Very interesting. Well, people who want to connect with you, they get more questions about this or they want to learn more from Reliance. Where do I send them to? Yeah, send them to me. Uh, you could go to reliancepartners.com. You can email me at mark.barler at reliancepartners.com. And we go from there. Thank you very much. And hey, by the way, I still haven't received the holiday message from Reliance Partners. So tell that team over there, we need a happy holidays for you by uh, our <laughs> next Friday show. Take care, guys. Appreciate you. Take care. Take it easy. All right. You know, the next guy out here, he is, uh, he's got a drive to help people. They've been, they did a big turkey drive leading up to Thanksgiving. They got a coat and toy drive. Now let's welcome Ryan Spann and RMS Carriers. Do Lord's work out there. Ryan, thanks for spending a couple of minutes with me here. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? You get anything at that Starbucks? Um, <laughs> I actually got here right on time, probably about five minutes early. So no. They can, they can be a little slow, so I did. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you, man. So, you know, last week my guys were telling me you did this awesome thing for Thanksgiving. Let's start there really quick. What was that drive that you put together for Thanksgiving? Um, so I think we, we kind of did it. I consider it last minute considering what when they say we're supposed to start preparing for a turkey drive. So probably around September, um, we you know, we decided, hey, let's, let's do this because it's always been a, a goal of, of mine as obviously as the owner to go ahead and do that. But as a collective, we decided that now is the time to do it. So, you know, we prepared, went to Walmart and pretty much bought up, you know, bought up a hundred turkeys and hams, you know what I'm saying? And, um, and it just, it just kind of like took off like wildfire. Of course I had some, some media interviews, like news interviews that week and about 300 people showed up that Saturday evening. And it just, <laughs> it, was, they, it was amazing. Ryan, where do they show up to? Where are you guys based out of? Where were you running this thing from? So we're, we're based out of Columbia, South Carolina. So I partner with a local church um, and, you know, their parking lot is pretty huge. You can fit all my trucks in there. And we pretty much surrounded the parking lot with our trucks and we created like a, a double lane drive through. And that, that drive through was probably backed up probably about a quarter of a mile um, up the road maybe a little more. Wow. It was backed up so bad the fire marshals made us start early. Oh, wow. When you ever get the fire marshal bill showing up, you know you're uh, having a successful time. So this was so successful, you've decided to do a little more planning for your next one, and now you got a toy and coat drive going up for the community as well. When is that going to happen, and uh, what's up with that? Uh, so, yeah, that is uh, December the 11th. It's coming Sunday. Um, it's from 3 to 5 p.m. It's, it's here in Columbia. Um, it's at Earlwood Park. Um, just what you said, it's a toy and coat drive. We're giving away, I mean, we've had so many donations and, and, and other people pitching in, it's hard to give you an exact number of how much stuff we're giving away. But I, if I had to guess, it's probably at least a thousand to 1500 toys. Um, and probably about maybe three to 4,000 coats, maybe. Um, I feel like I feel pretty confident in that number, but we'll be giving those away obviously to, uh, the less fortunate, uh, or people, that can or even can't afford a afford a coat or a toy for their children these holidays. Do you need any more stuff from people listening out here in the area near you or people who want to send stuff? Do you need more things? And what would those things be? Um, it, 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 donations are always welcome. However, the time is so close. We're less than yeah. a week away. Depending on where they're listening to this at, I don't know how soon I would get it. Yeah. Um, so I, I think what I would advise people is 
Um, obviously, this is a yearly thing. This is an inaugural thing. Uh, the turkey drive as well. Um, honestly, I'll be starting a lot sooner than I did this year for preparation. So probably around June of next year. Um, more than likely, you know, obviously with, with me having a relationship or interview with Freight Waves, I'll be reaching out to you guys to help put the word out. Um, and they can donate that way. That's that's when they can start donating and helping out. Hey, Brian, why did you decide to do this this year? Why did you decide to start the turkey and the uh, coat drive? Um, You know, I've been in business. The company's been established uh, approximately five years, but the first truck hit the road approximately about a little over four years ago. And when I did that, um, you know, it was I, I just wanted to make a difference because, you know, no knock to any other mega carrier or, or any carrier. Um, but most people, you just see, you just see them go to the local food banks, and they they go to the local food banks, so they just give money away. But they're never in the faces of the people. Um, and obviously, with them being a bigger company, you know, it's hard to be in every single community. But any community is good enough to me. So with that being said, I always wanted to be able to step forward and be on the ground with the people and look them in the face and make them feel understood and heard. Very, very cool. How hey, how has this year been for RMS carriers? It's been, I mean, you started four years ago, so you've seen like you've seen four different markets. Every year has been like drastically different, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you said you said a mouthful, man. I mean, obviously, um, you know, 2018 was well, it was okay. Then 2019, it it did kind of slide a little bit, and then unfortunately, but fortunately, COVID came. Yeah. And COVID came around and, you know, it, it, it did numbers. It, we, we had some really good years during COVID. Obviously, that's, that, that's kind of how I got to where I'm at right now. I was able to, you know, manage the finances correctly and just grow faster than, than the average small fleet owner does. Um, so, and then now, this year, this year, I mean, I, I already knew it was coming, but yeah. this year it is... Uh, it's, uh, it's a little tricky right now, and, uh, you know, it's just really about maintaining. You know, obviously, we're here for profit, but maintaining and just living to see another day. Because, uh, unfortunately, you know, some of our counterparts are not making it as far as they did in past years. And, you know, that's just really what we're what we're focusing on right now. Well, I think it's really cool. It's uh, tough economic times for a lot of people, as you stated. We know that first. I mean, freight drives the economy. We see it firsthand in freight. If trucks aren't moving, that means people aren't buying stuff. Why aren't people buying stuff? Because the economy's not good enough. It's such a leading indicator. Thank you so much for putting this thing together um, in a time like this. A lot of people might only be concerned with themselves as they're worried about their books, but you're out there helping the community. We applaud you next year. More than happy to promote this thing, and I hope to talk to you through the year, too. But in the meantime, people who are in need or they want to stop by they want to help out they want to support where do i send them to on sunday uh so let me you caught me off guard let me get you the address sure. uh, it's at earlwood park um this this coming sunday uh like i said between three and three and five very cool all right get out to Earlwood columbia, park south carolina columbia south carolina ryan thank you so much for coming on the show today thanks for doing lord's work out there get some coats and some toys in some kids hands Thank Appreciate you, man. brother. Thanks Take care. For having me. Good stuff. Good stuff. And uh, 
Yeah, those of you out there, Coates I heard were very in very short supply. We just had a big drive out here in Chattanooga, and uh, News 9, I think, was the one that was like, heavily promoting that. I was seeing it uh, all over Twitter. We gave, um, I gave a quote to it. It was fantastic. Uh, so many people showed up. Great to see people doing that right now. Like we said, there's people losing jobs all over the place, not just in freight. Everywhere you're seeing people getting cut. There's people worried about finances. Let's help some kids out. If you're in South Carolina, get the hell down to RMS Carriers. All right, let's bring up the back of the truck up, boys. We got Roostah <laughs> and Super Trucker. We need to get him a horn. <laughs> Super Trucker, you need a sound, man. It's just weird for yeah, you. Yeah, I need in. something. Rooster gets, what, Rooster gets that nice crow. I got nothing. But there's a rooster. I need something from the mail carriers. I mean, yeah. they got to have something. <laughs> I'll give you a crow. He'll get a rooster and you'll get a crow. All right. <laughs> Man, how, well, how you guys been before we jump into things? How are things uh, treating you? I know you had a podcast that came out this morning. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, rooster, you want to go ahead? Yeah, we have. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I'll be off guard. Uh... <laughs> I'm it's great. I'm not going to answer. Take it, Rooster. <laughs> I do enough talking on the podcast. Okay. Well, you're on a podcast now. Wake the hell up for 15 minutes. Rooster, what's up? Yeah. Yeah, we had podcasts for truckerdown.org. They're a great organization yeah, out there. Cool. What yeah, do they do? They, uh, uh, it's similar to like St. Christopher's Fund. They go out and help truckers in need. They uh, help do the trusted GoFundMes, the uh, donation drives. They also help drivers get home after they're injured. You know, their truck may still be in the shop, broke down. You know, they help uh, get them a, a way home, either by a ride with another truck or, or a bus ticket or possibly a flight. They also help uh, animals that get left behind. You know, sometimes drivers bring their dogs and cats yeah. along, and you know, those pets need to be put up in a, a at a vet or sent home uh, safely. So you know, they help get all of that sort. Uh, helped out if you go to their website truckerdown.org there's about two dozen different success stories with drivers uh one of their best ones is a driver that uh got ill and uh, had a flare-up of diabetes real bad and, and had to have his uh, foot amputated and oh, jesus now now he's at now he's at home and they're helping him with his bills you know and medical bills that come up and another driver they actually helped him find a truck he he got disabled and they he needed a truck with some modifications made to it to be able to continue to drive over the road. So they helped him out with that. Well, that's really cool. I'm glad you covered it. Holiday season is a good time to weaponize people's empathy and get them to do things they might not otherwise do, at least for the for the purpose of good people, not for the purpose of evil. Uh, all right. You can get the Back Truck Up podcast on audio. You can find it at backthetruckup.com or you can look it up wherever you get podcasts. But let's get into some news stories. Here is one that is just like, this looks like it came straight out of an action movie. Look at this truck right here and we'll talk a little bit about what's happening, but just, just watch this. The load of tires is going to be late. Is he okay? Like, it, the only saving grace there is it looks like at least uh, it, when it landed on it, the cab didn't have that far to fall. Yeah, no fatalities, yeah. just minor injuries. No fatalities, Rooster? Uh, actually, this is a co combination of two accidents. The truck that the Toyo box truck landed on fell off that same area and landed on the that black SUV you see the police officer walking up to now. In total, there were three injuries, no only one had to be hospitalized. Uh, luckily, no deaths. 
and this was up this was up on uh, i-5 the other day when it was raining in california uh uh, up at Santa, uh, Santa Clarita. So, oh, you know, people, it, you, you guys truck through California before, right? Like, I lived mm-hmm. in California. People don't really yeah. like they go, everyone drives, and this, this happens in Georgia too. Everyone goes, everyone drives like a mini when it rains. But the thing, like, you got to understand is it doesn't, like, in Southern California, it almost never rains. So, when it does, the yeah. road actually does get really, really slick, and these accidents yeah. can, can easily happen. Happens in South Florida all the time. When you don't go without periods of rain for a long time, oil pulls up on the road and the oh, yeah. first couple of minutes of rain, it's slicker than ice. It's like black ice, yeah. And I don't think people yeah. understand it. And then the the issue you kind of get over in the south, a little bit more so in California, is just we get so many little pockets of flooding. You can be driving thinking you're you're yep. on straight good road, and then like boom, three feet of water just totally hydroplaning you screwing you up. Yeah, Amazing. Texas that- has those like measuring sticks all throughout the, the countryside out there where, you know, you're, like you said, it looks flat, but next thing you know, you're, you're three feet lower than you were half a mile down the road. You, you guys have never fallen off a, like a bridge before in your truck. Have you? No, no nothing even. No, cl- I probably wouldn't be here if I did. No, you, well, I mean, that guy was, I mean, we've seen a couple of miraculous ones where it's like, oh my God, how brand were that guy's pants after he got taken out of that truck? Like what was the one a couple of weeks ago where the, the front cab, it was almost like the Terminator movie. He was hanging off the top. Yeah. Then there was the other one that doubles caught the guy yeah. right like an inch before it hit the pavement below. And then he just crawled yeah. out in the water. Amazing stuff. Um, here's something in the water today. <laughs> Well, here's something that, like, here's another shocking video we saw. It reminds me of the movie Rubber, and it was a good call-out by you. I haven't seen that one in a bit, so I did rewatch. it. I looked it up on a, on a site. Anyways, roll this tape right here. And um, my question for you guys is, A, have you ever lost a tire when driving, and how do you handle that? And what do we do in a situation like this? Tires, sure. You know, you lose, you know, you get flats all the time. But, I mean, those came right off the off the hub. I mean, that's, that's the, the wheel and everything. When that guy's as heavy as he is, it looks like he's getting over to the shoulder right at the end of that shot. Yeah. But, you know, and, and thank goodness the tires are going ahead. You know, if, if he wasn't paying attention, you wouldn't know that those tires were gone. You know, with as much weight as the rest of the tires are distributing, you'd never feel it. it it's such a beautiful thing to behold. It's like hypnotic watching just tires <laughs> go off on their own, like free into the wild. Rooster, have you lost a wheel while, while driving, uh, at least uh, to that extent? No, but I've actually was in the situation that a driver with the tape running, uh, I was going on on 20 through Louisiana and the truck ahead of me lost his uh, uh, driver's side rear, both set of duels. The bearings failed and, you know, wheels and all just came off. And, you know, luckily it went into the woods. But, you know, that's it, scary when you see a thousand pound projectile rolling at interstate speed. You know, if it would go through media and hit oncoming traffic, you know, it would it would not be a pretty sight and you know, possibly, you know, kill somebody. I mean, that's I, just a that's just a pre-trip inspection failure right there, not getting down there and making sure there's a, a oil leak or anything at the hubs. Yeah, but I mean, back when like live leak used to exist, I saw a lot of people get killed by tires. Right. I mean, I'm just yeah, saying like they're was, devastating. Yeah. You see that all the time is those. Lots, those videos. Of, lots yeah, of footage that, out of China. Wait, wait what is it? Lots of footage out of China for some reason. I guess they just pre-tripping isn't a thing out there or something. Maybe they just have more trucks than we do. But the, yeah, a lot of that footage of people getting run over by a, t- a tire down the road would just be from China. 
Now, we have um, one other situation. I'd like to get your trucker's advice on this. Roll this because I, I, and what I'm most curious about here is the behavior of some of the drivers, A, getting out of the car. B, one, you should mm. never stop in the middle of a highway. The worst thing you can possibly do is massively yep. reduce speed on a highway. You see people do it. And when a lot of people do do it, this is what happens. Everyone crashes into each other because the, the people that are a quarter mile back, they can't see that you're stopping in the middle of a, a freaking highway. But this guy got out of the car and he jumped on the medium to uh, to save himself. I'm not sure uh, how safe that was, but it did save him. What do you do in a situation like this, Justin? Well, if you're the car, yeah, you're you're supposed to stay in the car, so they say. Um, but I guess he was looking in his rear view because uh, he definitely he got out and ran. He would have been okay. It just bounced off to the side. There. <laughs> yeah, thank, thankfully the trucks, I guess, were impacting other vehicles to slow them down. But you know, you never want to be that first vehicle that gets hit by an eighty thousand pound uh, truck. Rooster, what do they teach you when you are that 80,000-pound truck and you are coming up upon a situation like this where some moron stopped in the middle of the road and you know that it's going to be very hard for you to, to avoid it and all you can do is mitigate it? What do you try to do there? Well, one, you want to be looking down the road as far as possible to see mm -hmm. if something weird is going on ahead of you. I mean, and, and if possible, put on your flashes to one of the people behind you, say, hey, something's going on up ahead. You might want to back off, you know, if they are paying attention. But mitigating something like that, you know, if you're in the outside lane, you know, go for the median or go for the ditch in a safest, safest fashion possible. But, you know, if you're stuck in the middle lane, you know, try to decelerate as best you can without, you know, having somebody behind you rearing you. And if you got to take that forward hit, try, try to hit it off at an angle that way it's not a dead center hit you know yeah yeah i mean it's rough i mean you're just like what do you even do at that at that point um it's traumatic yeah. too i don't know if you've ever talked to brian runnels from alliance partners but he was on freightways radio when uh i used to host that on saturdays and he told me this story about hitting another driver right and it flipped his truck and it flipped theirs and it is yeah like, i think about this this every single day like the ptsd of getting in an accident like that it just does not leave you it does not like don't not even worry about the physical stuff the mental side of it you can have a very hard yeah. time getting past that it's devastating what can happen in a truck yeah we just yeah, a lot of older guys I, I, oh, sorry mr red yeah we just did an article on uh, backtruckup.com about this it was a driver on reddit and huh. his father had been in an accident and you know this was begin at, at the first of the year and you know he's his father was basically in ptsd for months not wanting to get in a truck and you know and basically had to you know go speak to the priest speak to the counselor get get his mindset back to where it wasn't his fault you know nobody died in that incident but you know you, you just get stuck in that mental loop of having the flashback thinking about it and you know, just, uh, you know, the whole after effects. So uh, you can find that article on uh, backtruckup.com. Justin, you were going to say something too. Yeah, I've talked to other guys that have been in major accidents like that. And that's one of the things they mentioned is like they, they the person's face, they they always get stuck with that, you know, not, not even like a fatality or anything, but just, you know, somebody was getting out of their car and you could see the white in their eyes as you, you know, tear their door off, you know, stuff like that. It's That's the stuff that sticks with you.
Yeah, no, I imagine. You know, you know what also sticks with you? Something, let's move to something a little bit um, less destructive and something more positive. This is something you've been <laughs> advocating for, Justin, which is you're a driver. Don't let the depression get to you, though. You're in a cool area. Go be a tourist, mm -hmm. right? Stay the extra day. Yeah. Get an Uber. Go into town. Well, this TikToker right here, they did just that. Let's take a look at how they spent their day. Well, I went ahead and bought one of them reserved parking spaces there in Nashville. Took a little stroll downtown, went to Broadway. Honky Tonk Highway, I guess is what they call it. It's a pretty hopping little town. Um, Friday night, things were packed. I really wanted a steak dinner, but I settled for uh, not a grape snow cone like Alan Jackson and everything, but just a spicy chicken sandwich, Nashville style, because all them restaurants were pretty well booked out. It's hard to get a seat, but I caught a bunch of live music. And then this fiddle player, her name is Stacy. I didn't catch the last name, but gosh dang, it was fun to watch. It was a good time. And then I walked back to the truck, and then I thought about how some of you say trucking isn't fun. And then I thought maybe some of you were just uh, not doing it correctly. By golly, this is a fun job. So... I, I'm someone that that has an issue with depression. It's very easy to 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 isolate yourself and not go out and and do things, and then it feeds into it every, even more because you go, oh, I'm not doing anything mm -hmm. with my life. I'm never seeing anything with my life. And I think it's cool that you found that video, um, Justin, and have been advocating this, especially in trucking, especially as it gets darker out earlier and it's just generally yep. more depressing around the holidays. Especially like you're in your 20s, your 30s, you haven't met anyone yet. Get out the truck, yeah. go see some of these areas. You'll never like look back on that and be like, oh man, I wish I never went to Nashville or saw Chicago or saw this. It, <laughs> you'll still be the exact opposite. Um, you have any advice though on on managing this and making it a little bit easier? I know it's easier said than done. Yeah, so he was in Nashville. Now, like, I'm not a big live music guy, yeah. but I was very fortunate that I had friends that I'd known throughout the years on via the internet and other websites I'd been members of. And a lot of them were in the Philadelphia area. So anytime I was on the Jersey Turnpike, I'd park at the Petro on exit seven and call them up and one would go pick me up and we'd go catch a movie in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, or uh, they'd pick me down to South Philly to South street and uh, you know, have a good time for that night. But yeah, there's always options. And this was back before Uber existed. So now with um, real ride sharing, you, you can park a truck and, uh, you know, catch a ride somewhere. If you're in Vegas, first time I went to Vegas, I was um, at a truck stop there. You know, the, the options are limitless. It's, it's whatever you make of it. Uh, yeah. Rooster, you ever go on an adventure while you were parked the truck? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, back when I was uh, running over the road, I was hauling uh, parts for Cummins back from Port Charleston over to Seattle, Washington. I actually got an opportunity to park the Bobcat, the Bobtail at the receiver in the parking lot and take an Uber over and call it a Seahawks game. Wow. Pretty. Who do they hmm. play? Uh, can't remember, I believe it was the 49ers. I can't remember what exactly what game it is. I had to find the ticket stuff. High probability. It's been like five years. One in eight chance. Was that a Russell Wilson era? <laughs> that, that hasn't worked out so well over in, uh, in Denver. Hey, Rooster, something you're passionate about is gaming, and I know that you've played American Truck Simulator. I also know that some truck drivers throw shade on it. It's kind of like back in the day when Guitar <laughs> Hero got big and guitar players would be like, get a real guitar, Guitar Hero player. Yeah. Some people say that about trucking, but I think this is an interesting story. Take a look at this real truck right here owned by a real gamer on Reddit who says that he started out 
his gateway drug was American Truck Stimulator, right? And he ended up liking it so much that he's like, this should be my career. This is like the U.S. Army using Call of Duty to recruit, you know, 14-year-olds on Mountain Dew and uh, Monster Energy drinks to go fight wars for them, except now we're using American Truck Stimulator to get drivers in the seats. But my question, Rooster, is, is American Truck Stimulator a good simulator? How different is it than actually being in a truck? Well... Being in the truck, the uh, SES software, the company behind American Truck Simulator, they actually do are in partnerships with the truck manufacturers. So the interiors are just like they are in the trucks. So, you know, the seating position, the mirror positions, you know, they're all the same. Uh, as a, a keyboard warrior, you probably wouldn't be a good experience. But if you drop the money for like actual steering wheel and pedal set, you know, it would probably work out pretty good. And uh, having been a victim of a company branded simulator, I'm not going to say which fleet I was in. It, the graphics are way to hell better. <laughs> what are what are with those? I, I'm not going to name any companies either. But like when I was at Dats, a few of them had like VR simulators and stuff. And I'm like, this is trash. This is PS1 graphics. Like any gamer that sits behind this thing is going to s on this. And you're not going to. You're especially not going to attract young people. At least my old eyes were a little forgiving. I've seen these crappy graphics back in my heyday. You know, uh, it's. But so let me ask you this I'm, then. It, I know how to drive a regular car. I play truck simulator. I get pretty good at it. Could I commandeer a truck pretty easily? Uh, automatics probably uh if you're yeah. doing a manual you're going to have to have some actual actual experience get that muscle memory built up i mean it it it, it and also you know actually commanding you know a, a vehicle the size of a tractor trailer you got to have some you know experience on that too it, it is a little bit of a, a sensory change you have to have Justin, simulator training okay for schools to use as long as they use real-world training, too? Oh, absolutely. Nothing's going to beat being in the seat. I want to know how this guy can back, because all the guys that I met uh, when I was going to training, <laughs> anyone that grew up on a farm, they drove circles around us. The backing was like the biggest thing that would flunk people all the time. Anyone can sit for 500 miles like this a day, but then when you have to actually back the semi around corners, etc., that's where the real skill comes in. I think you can practice that, like the the mental geometry in your head with uh, a game like trucking simulator. Mm. Uh, but until you're in the seat, and like what Rooster said, if you're trying to back it with a manual, uh, that's, that's like a whole nother, that's a whole different level of, of nerves too. When you're have 80,000 pounds versus, you know, just, you can hit like reset or let restart the level. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're bouncing. You're about, you can, you can always tell in the truck stop if, if it's a new guy behind the wheel, cause they're constantly bouncing the truck off the clutch. Slipping, yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's embarrassing. Well, Hey, it's the holiday <laughs> season. We it's the holiday season. This this site, what is this called? Like wishlisted. It put out their top holiday favorite Christmas movies by state. Now, most mm. states picked a Christmas vacation. And I think that's one of those movies that if it was a clean sweep, no one like it may not be your favorite, but no one's gonna say that does not belong there. However, some states on here were completely whack. Like, can we start with Georgia? Because you're from there, Rooster. Why is Edward Scissorhands the favorite Christmas movie <laughs> in Georgia? Who even considers that a Christmas movie? I've never once had someone say, like, you know, let's watch Edward Scissorhands, it's Christmas time. I have no earthly idea who who they <laughs> Polled for that, but uh, over on backtotrucker.com, uh, as part of our a Merry Trucker Christmas sponsored by truckdriverjobs.com, I'm gonna have to put actual Christmas movie list because Edward Scissorhands definitely is not on that 
I don't know who they asked. Yes, can you please pull the truck trucking trucker's favorite Christmas movie? Uh, we did have Die Hard on there. That's kind of like an Edge Lord pick. Edge Lord's always yeah. love to pick Die Hard. The real answer is Home Alone. Obviously, we all know that one. That's not even yeah, on here. What? How does that Why not get on here? Home Alone. Look what is look. This what? is the national the national top five is Christmas Vacation, It's a Wonderful Life, Die Hard, The Night Before Christmas, and Home Alone. Now that's not horrible, but you could completely remove The Night Before Christmas and put Elf. I would say, like, how is Elf mm. not in the top five? That's a or a Christmas story. That's tragic. On both ends, yeah, we watched It's a Wonderful Life here. Is that yours? That's your number one. Yeah, yeah. And Rooster, you and I are Team Home Alone, right? Home Alone one and two, Home Alone three, and anything else go in the trash. Absolutely. You know what? I'm not a Trump fan, but they should have kept him in Home Alone. I don't like to mess with movies like that. Find me on Twitter yeah. at Timothy Gooder. Go to backthetruckup.com. Subscribe to What the Truck, wherever you get your podcasts. Don't be a stranger.